The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm joined again by my friend and colleague, Heidi Fox, who is a licensed clinical mental health counselor located in our Cary location. We're here today to talk about a really great topic that I think a lot of the audience members might either identify with or know a loved one or a friend who might identify with the topic we're talking about today, which is food addiction. We have lots of clinical addictions counselors in our offices. They deal with all kinds of addiction, substance use, alcohol addiction. But I think a topic that maybe isn't really talked about a lot is food addiction. And so I'm really excited to have Heidi here today to share a little bit about her personal story, her story of discovery and recovery. So thanks, Heidi, for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. It's so great to be here again. And I'm really excited about this opportunity to share a little bit of my story. Hopefully it'll bring some light on this topic and a great opportunity to be able to share my experience, strength, and hope with others. I believe that I was born a food addict. I believe it was just something genetically speaking, that was in my DNA, in in my wiring from the get-go. From as far back as I can remember, I loved food. And by food, I mean specifically sugar and flour. I was drawn to it. My brain lit up around it. And I was always seeking it out. One of my earliest memories of being in the food, I'll say, is when I was probably around five years old, my mom, she dropped me off at school and she would say, if you behave, when I pick you up at the end of the day, I'll take you to get a treat. From an early age, I equated food with good behavior, using it as a reward system. My grandparents immigrated from Germany in the 50s and grew up in poverty. And so for my grandparents, but mostly my grandmother, food was a way for her to show love. And so she baked and cooked and would feed us. And again, that message was just kind of reinforced for me that, oh, food, food is love and food is conditional. If I behave, if I'm good, then I'll get a treat. I'll get something special. But I can remember going to my grandparents' house and my grandmother had a sweets drawer. I would think about that before we even got there. And when we got there, I would make a beeline for that drawer to see what kind of sweets she had put in there, what new treats she had. I knew where they hid stuff in the basement. I mean, they weren't hiding it. It was just in the, the pantry a bit, but I would go down there and look on the shelves to see what they had. So I was always, always drawn to food from a very, very young age. And again, not just food, but sweet things. I knew that the way I looked at food or the way I sought it out was not normal, comparatively speaking, to other people and how other people looked at food and how other people ate. I noticed people that could eating like a, a piece of cake or one cookie and then stopping there. And I remember thinking growing up, how are they stopping? Because for me, there was there's no off switch. When I put sugar and flour into my body, we liken it to an allergic reaction. Alcoholics will often say they are allergic to alcohol because when they put it in their body, something, something different happens for people who can take it or leave it. When I put sugar and flour into my body, something different happens. Again, whether it's genetic, wiring, makeup, circumstantial, whatever it is, 
I know that when I eat anything with sugar and flour in it, it takes hold and it becomes an obsession and a compulsion for me. And I have to have more. And it sounds crazy because I've had people say, well, just take a bite, eat in moderation, step away from the table. And I'm like, wow, if it, if it was that easy, I wouldn't have gotten up to 235 pounds at my highest weight. So and in- you're a short person. I am. I mean, you know, you're not six foot two, right? (laughs) I'm only five, two, five, three on a good day. Yeah. I was 235 pounds at my highest weight that I knew of. And, you know, I joke about it often. It's not funny, but I joke that I weighed as much as an NFL lineman who has a foot of height on me. Right. So they, they carry that weight a lot differently than someone who's five, two, five, three. So yeah, I was really, really heavy and I was really, really miserable. And I tried every diet known to man. I promise you, if it's out there, I tried it. Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, the cabbage soup diet, the bead diet, grapefruit and eggs only eating diet. I mean, just anything. I wanted to be thin. That was my goal, mm. my life goal. If I, I thought if I could be thin, I'll be happy. My life will fall into place. So I searched and searched and searched over the years for for a cure, for something to fix me. And I would do all of these diets. They would work. They always worked the first time and I'd lose 30 to 50 pounds. And then as soon as I would get down to what I thought was a reasonable weight and I got a compliment from someone, oh, you you look great. Have you lost weight? That would be like an immediate invitation in my mind to go back to the food. Cause I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm good. I've licked it. I've got it. I've lost the weight. Let me go back to the way I was eating. I don't know what I thought. I thought it was some type of problem that I could fix. But as soon as I would go back to the food, to sugar and flour and eating the way I was eating, it was even worse than it was before. I felt like I had this voracious appetite and nothing could ever satisfy. I've said before, I feel like there was a sugar beast living inside of me who just wanted more and more and more. And I couldn't stop. It was also the same with alcohol for me. So food and alcohol always kind of went in tandem. Mm. They were always together. But the food, because you have to have food to survive, to live, you don't have to have alcohol to survive. So that's why I think food addiction can be confusing for people because it's food. How could you be addicted to food? Food addicts use food as a drug. And for Mm. me, sugar and flour are absolutely drugs when I put them into my system. I've learned throughout this journey too that sugar hits the same receptors in the brain that cocaine does, alcohol does, any, any other type of substance. I can see now more clearly how it is a drug for me, 100%. So yeah, back, back to my story, trying every diet that that ever existed. And when, when I found out that I was 235 pounds, I was at a medical clinic for a medically supervised weight loss program, which essentially is they, they give you speed and then you eat prepackaged protein bars, shakes. So I lost about 60, 70 pounds in that one mm-hmm. again for a time. And then I, I knew I was going to go back to eating the way I was eating. And that was the thing with these diets and these programs that I always knew that the other shoe was going to drop. It was only a matter of time. I knew that these things were not sustainable. And so there was always this undercurrent coursing through me of hopelessness and defeat and failure and like, okay, I'm going to try this and maybe this will be the magic bullet to fix it. But there was that little niggling voice of doubt in my mind that was saying, no, it'll only be a matter of time. You'll gain it all back. It was this vicious 
cycle of being on this hamster wheel of trying to find this solution and just wanting to be thin and seeing other people who didn't struggle with this. I have two sisters, neither one of them struggle with this and they eat very differently than I do. And, and I noticed that growing up and growing up, I was always the heavy one. I was the fat sister. I identified myself as that nobody else did, but I knew that there was something wrong. I just didn't know what it was. I was just listening to you say about the trying this diet or this program and then losing weight and then gaining it back makes me think of like yo-yo dieting or yo-yo weight gain and how exhausting that must be for an individual to try this program and then the weight comes back and it just must be exhausting. It is exhausting. It is deflating. It is soul sucking, honestly, because I don't know about other people. I can only speak from my own experience, but I felt really hopeless. Like there was something wrong with me. Why Mm. can't I do these? Why can't I make them stick? Yeah. It's just a deep sense of shame and guilt that, that there must be something wrong with me that I can't fix myself. And why can't I just stop at one? Why can't I just step away from the table and have that be enough? Really, I believe unless a person has struggled with this, it is hard to understand. It is. People don't understand. Just stop at one. Just walk away. Eat in moderation. Eat with dignity. You know, I remember once I had a therapist who said, and this was way, you know, years ago, and he said, create some dignity around your meals. Sit down, light a candle, dish some out in a bowl. And I thought, gee, that in theory sounds great. But in reality, I know that that's not going to work. And it didn't. I tried it and and it didn't work. And so, you know, I had bookshelves full of self-help books made to crave, you know, filling this hole inside of you. And I was constantly searching and seeking. And yes, coming up short, which just left me really feeling hopeless and deflated. As you're talking about your story of discovery of food addiction, do you have, I mean, are there actual descriptions or symptoms of a food addict? There are some, some questions that, that helped me identify that I was a food addict and actually come to terms with that and be able to admit that. I'll just give you an example of of a few of the questions. So have you ever wanted to stop eating and found that you just couldn't? Do you think about food or your weight constantly? Do you find yourself attempting one diet or food plan after another with no lasting success? Do you eat differently in private than you do in front of other people? Do you eat large quantities of food at one time? Do you binge and then get rid of the binge through vomiting, exercise, laxatives, or other forms of purging? Do you eat to escape from your feelings? Do you eat when you're not hungry? Do you fast or severely restrict your food intake? Do you feel driven to exercise excessively to control your weight? Do you frequently feel guilty or ashamed about what you've eaten? Those are good questions that anyone in the audience listening can kind of reflect and answer for themselves and kind of help guide them on if food addiction really is a problem for them. So then what was the game changer for you? I mean, what was the moment where you realized this is what's happening for me? And then what were your next steps? This struggle back and forth, this, this addiction, this, this thing, you know, I'm going to call it a disease because I I think that addiction is a disease overall. Mm -hmm. This disease really kind of came to a head for me when I got married. Another part of my story is my mom and I had always done diets together. She would find a new diet and tell me about it, or I would find a new diet and I'd tell her about it. And we, we were always partnering up 
on our diets. I went over to their house. This was about four, four and a half years ago now. And she was doing another diet. And I said, what are you doing? Because we, we've done everything. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. What have you found now? And so she had gotten into a, a program that was based on a 12-step recovery model. I'll come back to that. But I had gotten married and I had done a really good job of hiding my addiction from my husband. I was hiding food. I was sneaking food. I was buying food and I wasn't telling him what I was getting. For me, my struggle has been with binge eating. That is my form of this disease. And, and as, as I read, you know, the questions, it does take shape and in, in different forms for different people. It could be bulimia, anorexia, binge eating. There are all different variations of it. Food addiction, addiction itself is, is something that is occurring in, in the mind mostly, and it manifests physically often. I realized being married that it wasn't just about me anymore and that I was really sick because I was hiding things from my husband and lying about it. And that was not who I wanted to be or how I wanted to be in our marriage. And I would drive to a drive-through in between sessions during a day, and I would buy pastries, junk, sugary food, and eat it in the car on the way back to the office. I avoided merging our bank accounts when we got married for a long time because I didn't want him to see what I was spending. And he kept asking me, hey, when are we going to do that? And I just kept blowing him off. Oh, we'll get there eventually. I just had this gut check in my conscience of this isn't okay. You need help. My faith has always been a big part of my life. And so I just kept asking God to guide me and lead me and point me to a solution that was going to bring me hope and help and, and something to help me change. My mom is doing this program based on a 12-step recovery program. And at first, I really kind of scoffed and thought, that's ridiculous, a 12-step program for food? Like, what? No. Alcohol, drugs, I get that. Shopping, gambling, I understand that. Food? No, that's not my thing. At this point, I had nothing left to lose, and I knew that I needed to try something different. My bottom in food addiction came when I had bought a bunch of snacks for our son for school, school snacks, snacks that I supposedly didn't like and thought, oh, I won't eat those. So I'll just buy those and keep them in the house. Well, one day I was looking for something and I was standing in the kitchen and I found myself eating his snacks, the things that I supposedly didn't like. It was almost as if I had an out of body experience. I could see myself eating these snacks and knowing in my heart of hearts that I couldn't stop and that I was never going to stop. It just felt like a bottomless pit, a bottomless hole, a vast void that could never be satisfied. And I knew in my heart of hearts, I'm not going to stop. So I decided to look into this program. I just did my own research. I got onto, got onto Google and looked up programs for people who struggle with food, or I, I forget exactly what I put in there, but I found a 12-step recovery program. I went to my first meeting that was in April of 2017. So I'm coming up almost on four years. I've been in the program ever since. I was desperate when I walked in those doors. I would have done whatever they told me. If they would have told me to eat shoe leather all day, I would have done it <laughs> because I was at bottom. I was, I was at my wits end. And I joined the program. I, within the first year or two, lost 
close to 100 pounds. I came into the program at about 215 pounds. So I had lost some weight from my highest, but I was again in the food rapidly accelerating my weight. And I knew there, you know, there's a show called my, my 600 pound life. I've heard people say, I have no idea how anybody could ever get to 600 pounds. And I thought I do. Mm. I can see that easily. Addiction is such an insidious bear, all addiction. It is just, it's wretched what it, what it does to a person. And when it, it had me in its grips. And so coming into this program, the first meeting I went to, I cried through the entire thing because I heard so much of my story. I heard so much hope. And I realized for the first time ever that I didn't have to hurt myself with food anymore, mm-hmm. that I didn't have to hurt myself with alcohol anymore that I found a solution that was sustainable and offered hope because it's a multi-pronged approach, spiritual, physical, mental. This program that I'm in and that I'm working diligently keeps my addiction in abeyance one day at a time. So I don't have to know how I'm going to do this forever. I just have to know how I'm going to do it for today. The next 24 hours that God gives me and puts in front of me, if I work this program, if I work the tools the way it's designed, I know that I will stay abstinent and sober. And by the grace of God, I have for the last almost four years. And that's a miracle to me. That is, that is not me. I do my 1% and God does the rest. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I'm picturing anybody walking into a recovery program like that, a 12 step recovery program. And you said you heard people sharing stories and you cried the whole time. I mean, I bet for the first time you felt like you didn't have to do this alone, that there was an answer, there's solutions that, like you said, there's hope for recovery. And I just think about all the different kinds of individuals with addiction, not just food addiction, you know, all kinds of addiction and how they're just longing for hope to recover. They don't want to be stuck in this disease forever. Yes. And you nailed it. I think without hope, people perish emotionally, Mm. spiritually, physically. We all need hope, especially in these days and times that we're living in. Hope is essential. And I did find hope in this program, the fact that there is a network of support of fellows of people that are walking the same exact journey that I can call anytime and say, Hey, I'm dealing with this. And there will be someone that will say, I've dealt with that. I've been there. I understand you're not crazy. The normalization that comes with being in a support group like this and a program like this is invaluable. It's invaluable. And the the program I'm in is, is free. And when I came into this program, I thought I've hit the jackpot. I have won the lottery because I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on diets throughout the years. And here I come into this program where I have a sponsor. Like I said, there's people that are walking through this journey as well. I don't have to do it alone. I'm no longer alone, as you said. And every day I I do. And I, and I don't mean to sound Pollyanna or as if I don't have any problems because believe me, most days it's, it's harder than it is easier, but I have a blueprint now for how to live my life. And when I go into acting like an adolescent, because, you know, I started using at a very young age. So I do have arrested development. I am stuck oftentimes in an adolescent mindset. I can pick up the phone and call someone. I can, um, I can read something that speaks to me. I can find help. I can seek people out. 
And as an addict, one of my biggest tendencies was to isolate and to think I had to handle things alone and do it by myself and to figure it out. This is not a program of figuring it out. Again, there's a blueprint, a way to live my life. This program is teaching me how to grow up. It's teaching me how to live a functional life, not as an alcoholic, not as a food addict, but just as who God created me to be. I know that some of the listeners might be thinking, what's the program? Tell us the secret solution. And I know for anonymity purposes, you're not allowed to share, but we do encourage the listeners to Google food addiction, Google food addiction recovery in your area, because there might be listeners outside of the RDU and other states that might be listening. I found a meme or I saw a meme last week on the internet, and it just resonated, especially knowing that we were going to be doing this podcast. And the meme says, when we recover loudly, we keep others from dying quietly. And that just speaks to me for people like yourself who are just sharing their stories of addiction and recovery and how just you sharing your story is gonna touch someone and they're gonna say, that's me. And I need to have the hope that Heidi has. I want to find that. So I just thank you so much for taking some time today to share your story, Heidi. And if anyone's listening and they want to reach out to Heidi to learn more about food addiction and how to work some mental health therapy during their recovery process, you can find her in our Cary location at 180 Counseling. Thanks again, Heidi, for your time. Thank you, Sarah. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.